With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and you are listening to All Ball. And I feel like this is the beginning of the summer series. Last year, we had uh, Scott Brooks for two episodes, Jay Billis for two episodes. And, um, you know, summer without a ton of things changing during the off season really gives us usually a greater chance to delve into people's lives and we'll continue to do so. So if there's somebody you'd like me to have a conversation with in college, pro, high school, basketball, international ball, I I have some friends who have already committed to joining us. Hey man, just give me a call. Let me know when, um, hit me up at Gottlieb show is the Twitter handle. And of course, at Gottlieb Show is also the IG handle. I don't know if it's a handle on IG or not. Anyway, and I'm told I have to tell you, you can listen to the Doug Gottlieb Show daily on Fox Sports Radio from 3 to 6 Eastern or 12 to 3 Pacific. You can listen, uh, you can download uh, that podcast or you can listen on the iHeartRadio app or on your Fox Sports Radio affiliate. We're also on Sirius XM. I think one is... 203 and the other one is 217. 217, I know, is the one, it's like the Dan Patrick station. That's the station that we're on, not the Fox Sports Radio station. Anyway, um, we're like a couple days removed now from the Russell Westbrook Chris Paul trade. We did talk about it on last week's All Ball, kind of the immediate reaction. And now that I've had a chance to catch my breath, I, I do sincerely believe that the Rockets. They got a better athlete, a guy who's closer to his prime. And I do think there's a little bit of immediate bump. On the other hand, you have a lame duck head coach, a player who is challenging to coach. I didn't say Russell Westbrook is not coachable, but he challenges you. And while Harden and Westbrook are better friends and have been longtime friends, as opposed to Chris Paul and James Harden, which was kind of like a, an arranged marriage, they're both people that have been through multiple marriages both coaches and players alike. And so ultimately, I I don't see it ending in a championship. I feel like this is part of the undue pressure put on by Tillman Fertitta, that he wants to win and he wants to win now, and he doesn't have the patience to see it kind of quietly and smartly evolve as the Warriors fell apart. Um, And look, it's fair to say the rest of the West has gotten better. I think the Jazz have gotten much better. I I love the Grant acquisition for the for the Denver Nuggets gives them the ability to play small. Um, he's a sensational athlete. Like he he adds a ton of value there. And I even like what Portland has. Portland, you know, smartly you added a rim protector, shot blocker, and you give because they'll eventually have a couple of centers. You give the possibility of moving somebody here at mid year if you think you can add one piece. And so I look around, and I like the Clippers and the Lakers are pronouncedly better. Did the Rockets get that much better? No. Uh, yes, you take Oklahoma City out of any sort of playoff contention. I'll also say this. I think Sam Presti did a great job. 
This apparently was the plan for next year. If it didn't work this year, they were going to blow it up next year. And Paul George walked in and said, hey, I'm out. And so they sped up the process. Look at the number of picks he got in return. I would expect him to somehow try and get Chris Paul off the books. They'll probably take on some something on the books to this year. And we'll see how many of those draft picks they can maintain. This is the way of the NBA. Oklahoma City's known this for years, that, that signing a free agent is really, really hard. That you have to trade for guys, you have to draft guys, and for the life of their franchise, this is how they'll have to succeed, is to find ways to draft guys, trade for guys, and keep guys as happy as they can as long as they can. And now they're in rebuild mode. It's a it's a life cycle. It's a you'd much rather be bad to be really, really good than to be mediocre and to be super expensive, especially in that market. And so I actually kind of understand it. I don't think, though, the Rockets have they've gotten away from fit. Fit is everything in this world. How you fit with your spouse, how you fit with your neighborhood, how you fit with how how your kids fit with how they're educated. When you go and play in college, it's not necessarily about the school. It's about fit, right? Role, yes, but also are you a guy that plays better when you play fast? Are you a point guard that plays with the ball in your hands? I, I look at this and I'm like, Harden and Westbrook worked eight years ago. Because in the fourth quarter, Harden was the point guard, Westbrook was the off guard, and he was a great cutter. But since then, they've both become ball-dominant guys. And that, that genie is hard to put back in the bottle. And so I understand that the Chris Paul and James Harden relationship probably had to end. They weren't getting along. They didn't see eye to eye. And I think Paul had to play ball screen offense, and they couldn't do that when James Harden's on the court. And Paul struggled to play with James Harden or to get by his man on a one-on-one basis. And Westbrook will not. But lame duck coach, new assistant coaches, guy who's shown to be tough to coach and a low percentage, high volume three-point shooter with the highest volume three-point shooting team in the league. I don't, I don't see it ultimately ending up in a championship in Houston, which is what they say they're all about. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, let me let me take you to the East really quickly because I do think it's fascinating, the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets are a team that, if you look at it on paper, I mean, last year they were like the Clippers. They were the Clippers of the East. Everybody loved their culture. People liked their coach. Guys cheered for each other. They were a fun team and... I'll tell you how many people took notice. Kevin Durant's even quoted as saying, like, Sean Mark, he committed to Sean Marks before they'd even said, like, hey, do you want to? He was, he was in. So apparently told Sean Marks, I love watching you play. You were never out of a game. You guys played for each other. Yada, yada, yada. But, but stick with me. Okay, so Kyrie Irving is going to a franchise that emphasized scoring point guards had a great culture, had a young coach who everybody believed in, and seemed to only be a star away from taking the next step. Doesn't that feel like Boston? Kevin Durant is going to a place that the team seems to play with great joy, great passion, play for each other. Granted, much more, many more ball screens than the Warrior, but it, doesn't it feel like both of these guys have been down this road before? Remember, the Warriors had this unbelievable culture and playing with joy before Kevin Durant got there. And Sean Marks has even said, hey, we got to change some of the way we play because we haven't had these types of guys before. And oh, yeah, by the way, then you factor in that Kyrie's going to try and prove that he's a leader in the first year where you don't have Kevin Durant. That could either help him. And hurt Durant. What if they have a great season without Durant? And then Durant comes back and they're not as good. Or that get, what if Kyrie can't win and he needs Kevin Durant to help him win? How does his ego handle that? Am I willing to believe that guys can learn from their past mistakes? Of course. Of course. That's why we watch film, right? So you can learn from your past mistakes and not make future ones. On the other hand, and maybe most importantly, what's past is pre- uh, precedent, right? And in the past, both of these guys have joined great franchises that have had success without them. Remember the uh, the Celtics went to the Eastern Conference Finals two consecutive years, both without Kyrie Irving. And the Warriors had won a title, went to 173 games, and though they won two titles, it wasn't like KD enjoyed that experience. So what get, what leads you to believe that this will be any different? It's a fascinating social experiment, isn't it? Really, really is. Really is. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Um, we got a lot of good stuff upcoming. I, I want to, I want to, in weeks to come, discuss kind of the college landscape and the weird place we're in in college basketball, where there's a lot of, there's a ton of talent and there's guys that have been passed over by the NBA. There's still good college, but are, are, is, is college basketball going to get swept up by people thinking the G League is the new minor league system or, how does the new NBA draft rules, which we think are going to go into effect in a couple of years, how does that affect the college landscape? Plus, we'll also preview some of the teams we like, and we'll continue to bring you great personalities and unbelievable stories like this one. If you're of my age, slightly younger, slightly over, you remember Khalid El-Amin, star point guard, grew up in Minneapolis, played at UConn, second round pick of the Bulls. Then what happened to him? Now he's doing some college basketball on TV, works with kids as well. His path is fascinating. His championship run or his championship game, which he looks at, looks at the camera and mouths to it, we shock the world, is among the 10 greatest kind of post-game celebrations in Final Four history. Let's catch up with Khalid Al-Amin, his journey, his championship, and his pro career afterwards. We're joined by, now by Khalid Al-Amin, and I want to get to your days at UConn, your days in the NBA, your travels overseas, and and talk about your 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 broadcasting career. But let let's start. Okay, you're originally from Minneapolis, North High School. I remember, I saw you play in Vegas against Greedy Daniels. Um, let's say I can't remember what high school gym it was. You two were the best, two best high school player, and you destroyed Greedy Daniels. I was like, this dude is, um. When you grew up, you grew up playing. What was the what was the first park that was the, your spot where you first learned to be a basketball player? <laughs> well, it, it was a few parks, Doug. Actually, um, it was a North Commons Park, uh, which is about five blocks uh, uh, from my home, and we had another park called Harrison Park, which is about three blocks in the other direction. And so, I was always playing outside. I was always always affiliated with uh, outdoor basketball. That's what we did back then. You know, in the early '90s, was play outside. You know. And, um, and and so, you know, on the blacktop is where you hone your skills. You know, you're competitive out there. You have 
guys talking trash. This is how you're growing up and uh, brought up, excuse me, and and all of that experience helped me become uh, the man that I am today, but the, uh, the ultimate player that I was. That's the Robbinsdale area, right, of, of Minneapolis? Is that am I, am I getting my well, location? Well, it, it, it's a no. It, it's in Minneapolis. It's right before you get to Robbinsdale. It's not too far away from Robbinsdale. You know. Uh, Minnesota and Minneapolis and the, the connected city that's around there. You know, it's a real uh, close type of, of, of city or, or neighborhood. You have a lot of cities that's right next to each other. You drive through three minutes and you're already in another city. So uh, it, it's a lot of cities right there together, mixed in together. But, um, yeah, Robinsdale has some good hoops, but Minneapolis is where it's at. No, and and when you were a kid, the U was – U. I think maybe you were in high school. The U had that Sam Jacobson team – uh, that had uh, that had Bobby Jackson. They had a squad that went to the Final Four. Yeah. Obviously, the N- oh, the yeah. NCAA stuff was that was that your squad growing up? Were you like were you a you guy growing up, or did you like somebody else? Come on, I I, I was I was maroon and gold all the way, Doug. You know, my family, my father, he brought our family from Chicago um, to Minneapolis in the seventies. Uh, you know, my whole family from Chicago except me. I was the only child that was born in Minneapolis, so. I'm. I was born and raised here, and um, you know it, it, it's a great city. Coming up, it wasn't known as a basketball state, so to speak. You know, I, I had to get my name from uh, or late '80s. Um, coming out of Minnesota, was very highly talented. I think uh, you know being able to score the ball, being able to put the ball in the hole, um, you know, different spots on the court in different ways, really helped me. Um, nationally, and, uh, you know, I'm thankful for all the big-time players that came before me uh, from Minneapolis, and, uh, you know, we will all meet at the YMCA. We'll have open gym um, every night of the week uh, from 7 to about 11, and, um, you know, I was just like a sponge there. I was the youngest guy playing with the older guys, and I think that's where I feel I was able to, you know, see different styles of like. And winning was very important because there were so many guys in the gym back then, Doug, that, you know, if you happen to lose, <laughs> you might not see the court again that night or it'll be a few games before you get back on. So uh, priding yourself on winning and being smart uh, was always a part of my game, and that's what raised me. And I'm glad I had the opportunity to win uh, like I did because it was instilled in me early. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, it is interesting now how they, the guys play, kids play so many games with their AU teams that there isn't the same kind of punishment of uh, of losing. All right, so why'd you go to UConn? Because Minnesota was on probation, right? Well, 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 yes, that is one of the reasons. And yes, you're right. Coming up, I was a big U guy. Um, of course, all the Minnesota teams, Vikings, Timberwolves, or Twins back then. But uh, yes, I definitely loved the U, and I was committed to the U as an underclassman. Coach Clem Haskins, um, you know, I watched him coach there growing up, and you know, I was in awe of him when I have him. He came to see me play. I got to meet him. You know, I was a little bit starstruck. And the U was where I wanted to go. And, and, and it seemed like, you know, that was going to be my home. Uh, I committed to them, like I said, as an underclassman. And, um, you know, a, a, as my time went on through high school, uh, I was able to go out to the ABCD camp and, and play in the national camp um, with the Kobe Bryant, the Lamar Odom, um, you know, all the highly talented, all the best players in the country. And I won top underclassmen. I was able to win top underclassmen there uh, as going as going going into my sophomore year. And so uh, I had a teammate, Rock Lloyd. He, uh, sure. He's a big-time New York City guy. Romel Lloyd, um, yeah. yeah. Yep, Romel Lloyd, yep. And um, he was on my same team at ABCD. And so, you know, we got to play with each other, got to know each other a little bit during that week. And his point guard from the uh, uh, New York City Gauchos had got hurt during the camp. So he kind of asked me to fill in for him out in Vegas. So I had the opportunity, just think of it, Doug, a kid from Minneapolis, Minnesota, had an opportunity to go on the on the summer circuit with a New York City team. That was unheard of back in 1995. So, um, you know, I, I was always, I was all in. You know, when he asked me, uh, I asked my parents if they were okay with it. So I had the opportunity to travel with them and, and, and to become, you know, a New Yorker because I was always a hip-hop, New York hip-hop guy coming up, you know. Uh, 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 wait, yeah. wait, wait, you like yeah. New York hip-hop? The West Coast hip-hop Uh-oh, was yeah. so much better. I used to remember, we used to, <laughs> we used to go back, some, my, my dad was a New Yorker. He grew up in the Bronx, and 
we used to go back every summer and he would, you know, I'd go to, I'd play at all the different places that he played at. He'd like when I was in high school to get, you'd sit there and wait all day or he'd try and get me in a game or whatever. And mm-hmm. I just remember we, we put on hot 97 and I wouldn't know any of the music and I could, I didn't like, I, I just didn't like East coast hip hop when I was a kid. <laughs> just, such a different style than what I was, what I was used to. All right. So, hey, yeah, so, so yeah. when you're in high school was, was Minnesota on probation then? Or was it not till you were in college? Coming up, coming up, my my, my senior year uh, is when everything broke. Uh, when one of the former uh, recruits kind of um, you know spilled the beans, so to speak, and, and and then that next year it would have been my freshman year coming in that uh, they would have got been on probation. So I, you know, around that time, a little bit before that time, I decided I wanted to you know decommit from Minnesota. I wanted to take my visits because you know, uh, like I said, I, I was traveling. Uh, with the Gauchos, and then that next summer, I had got to play with the Long Island Panthers, which sure. was Lamar Odom, um, Kareem, uh, uh, Kareem. Demise, uh, myself, um, Tavares Bill. So we had some big-time New York guys uh, on that team, and I, I was just seeing their recruiting process, how, you know, I used to, the roommate was Lamar, and he was getting recruited by everybody, Doug. I mean, Fisher, Steve Fisher from Michigan back then was calling. Uh, Tarkanian was calling. Uh, everybody. Every school that you could imagine was recruiting him, and I was kind of getting, you know, a little bit cozy. Like, wow, I was I got courted like that a little bit. You know, I was I would have waited so I could have take, you know, took some visits and got to enjoy the recruiting process. So, uh, as a junior and going into my senior year, I, I decommitted and I was able to take some visits. And I went to Kansas, I went to Georgetown, I took an official visit to Minnesota, and then I went to UConn, went to Connecticut, and um, so. Um, I was I was looking at the teams, uh, Doug, and I, I had to realize that you know Minnesota they had the great run the year before, but my freshman year, uh, all those guys that was went to the, they were graduating, they were leaving, you know, they were upperclassmen, so we, we weren't going to be the same team, so to speak. So, and I was I wanted to win, Doug, and um, I just wanted you know to have the best opportunity to win a national championship because that's what I wanted to do, and um, you know it, I visited. Uh, Kansas, visited Minnesota, went to Georgetown, and uh, I really felt that I was going to go to Kansas, Doug. And, um, you know, I, I took that last visit to Connecticut. I got to play with the guys, and uh, I just fell in love. You know, it, it's like a, a legend around Connecticut that, you know, when I played with them on my visit, I was, like, directing some of the upperclassmen, telling them to go there to what do what to do or tell them what to do. And it was just a, a match made in heaven. And, and so... Um, visiting Connecticut and having the opportunity to play with the team just really sealed it for me. And I just knew I wanted to go to Connecticut from that visit. All right. So you show up on campus and uh, Rip was there, but he was, you know, like he wasn't superstar Rip Hamilton yet. They had a big white dude, Jake Voskel, right? You and Albie, Albert, yeah. Albert Morning were like the two star yeah. freshmen that, that showed up. Um, and then, you know, Ricky Moore's like a junior, but he'd never really been like the guy. Because uh, they had well, they had they had Deron Sheffer when he was a freshman. And he played. He started as a sophomore, but they weren't great. And so he got. What, what was that? What was the dynamic like when you show up? And Ricky's kind of been waiting his whole career to be the guy, and you come in, and now he's got to play kind of off the ball. Yeah, but but, but that's the thing about Connecticut, though. Doug. You know, Connecticut was always a school where they played multiple point guards at the same time. Because as you mentioned, Jerome Sheffer played with. Uh, Kevin Ollie and Ray Allen, and then Ricky Moore came in, and, and so he had got a little bit of Derone Sheffer, Ricky Moore, and, you know, Ricky Moore was a big-time player before he had a shoulder injury, um, you know, the season prior to me coming in. Doug, you know, he, he was a defensive stopper. We all know that, but he was putting the ball in the basket at that time, and so um, he was a big-time player. And me coming onto the scene, it was like, hey, you know, uh, we have two uh, lead guards, uh, on the court and in the Big East. That's what you needed back then to win. And uh, we were just uh, uh, compatible with each other. You know, we were able to play off of each other's strengths and each other's weaknesses. And uh, it, it just worked out well. What did you do for fun in Stores, Connecticut? Well, you know, I, it was a college town. And, uh, you know, I, I was able, to, like I said, to come on the scene. And, you know, you had Ricky Moore, you had Rip, you had uh, Kevin Friedman, who's been there a year before. So sure. they, they showed me. But, you know, they showed me the places where, um, you know, where I can and, you know, other than that, being a college kid, you can dorm anyway, or you're in the study hall, or you're at practice, so it, it wasn't really much 
to doing stores, but it was a great college town. We had a great time, and we made it fun. Uh, let's go to the championship season. Um, so, like, look, your your first year, you guys were, I mean, your first couple years, you guys are legit, right? You're legit. Yep. But your sophomore year, uh, it's you, Rips back as a junior. You mentioned Kevin Freeman, who's just a monster on the boards. Voskel's back. Al Morning's back. So, I mean, the great thing was you have all these guys back from, from the previous year. You had no freshmen, no incoming class at all. Just all dudes that were back. What do you remember about that about that team? Like, when did you when did you know like, hey, we could win the whole thing? Well, it, it was actually during that summer, going into my sophomore season. We took a trip to Europe um, for a couple of weeks. We went to uh, we went to England. We had the opportunity to play against a couple of professional teams in England, and then we flew to Israel. We got to play a, a couple of the professional teams from Israel. We played Maccabi. Uh, we played another big-time team uh, over there in Israel also. So that summer, Rip was hurt uh, with a thigh injury. Uh, he couldn't travel with us. So, you know, we took our team minus Rip out there, and that allowed our role players to come on and, and to get – significant minutes and really show who they were and Albert Morning was lighting up that to those two weeks of games uh Edmund Saunders showed he was a beast Rashamel Jones who really accepted yeah yes Rashamel Jones I respect him so much because it was his senior year Doug and he was supposed to go for the gold it was his last chance to really show the NBA scouts who he was and when I came on the scene he saw the type of player that I was the type of leader that I was and he took the demotion with so much character. I just love that guy to death because any other guy would wanted to transfer, especially in this day and age, they would have transferred, they would have got out of there because they weren't getting the minutes that they were supposed to have gotten. But he respected the game, and I just love him for that. And we, like I said, the role players got an opportunity to really step up and show their worth to the team. And after that trip, we, we said to ourselves, wow, we can be really good. And the guys prepared for the season. Uh, like, man, like none other. You know, every workout we were competing against each other. Uh, every drill we wanted to win. And we just wanted to see the next guy do well. And so that's what, what was special about that team. All right, uh, g- give me your your Calhoun. What, what's, what was Calhoun like to you as a guy who came in and he gave you the ball right away? Like, what when I, when I say Jim Calhoun, give me story that encapsulates what he's like to you. Uh, he was a beast, and, and I don't know if I should share this story or not, but one time I was a freshman, and uh, it was right before the Big East tournament, and, um, you know, they had the coaches meeting. They go up to New York uh, prior to the Big East tournament. They have their meeting, and then they come back. And I can remember he went up there and came back, and we had a practice right before we were leaving. He was like, uh, you, know, you, know, I was, you know, I was at the coaches meeting. He was explaining what was going on, and he was like, you know, they're good guys, but I want to <laughs> – I want to kick their butt, and I know we we both know he used a different word than that. You but can it's a, he, it's a pod. You can say if you said he wanted to kick their ass, like that's that's what he said. He 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 wanted to. He I hate all those motherfuckers. Yeah. That's what he said, and, and, and you know, just that competitiveness. You know, you had to respect the, the mutual respect for for each coach that he went up against. But he wanted to win, and that just that sense of urgency really rubbed up on me. So when you say Coach Calhoun, he's a beast. He, he's a genius, and he's also just one of the most competitive people that I know. Yeah, yeah. Here's okay. So, so my mom grew up in Connecticut, and when we'd go up to Connecticut, like I remember her because UConn didn't used to. It wasn't a now it's a good school. It wasn't a good school when she when she was growing up. So she was super super down on it, and they started mm-hmm. recruiting me when they when they when they took Ricky. Ricky was like out of Atlanta, right? So they took yeah, Ricky that, yep. that that year. And it's funny you say about the multiple point guards. So um, Kevin Ollie's from you know Crenshaw High School, L.A. Yeah. So they were recruiting me, and my dad talked to Kevin Ollie, who he coached against in AAU, and Kevin was around. And he was like, "What's what's Calhoun like?" And he's like, "It's they play fast. They're always good. You'll play around pros." He's like, "But he's going to bring another point guard in every year. So if you want to, because you remember when we played." They used to give you like two years till your junior year, then they would bring in another guy to compete with you. And if you couldn't, right? Like if you couldn't beat out a freshman when you're a junior, like then you weren't good enough anyway. You just had to figure it out, right? <laughs> and he's like, and Cal, yeah. they were like, Calhoun doesn't play. He doesn't. He doesn't care 
at all. And he's just going to bring in another point. So as long as you don't care about being recruited over, because he's going to challenge you every day, you'll be all right. So I wasn't really that into that. And then my mom yeah. just couldn't get over. She went to Syracuse. She she just thought it was like a, she used to say, it was like, oh, that place is like a Juco. Like, you don't want to go there. Anyway, so he calls me. <laughs> actually, actually, Coach Hobbs called me. And I get back from, okay. I get back from ABCD. And my, my junior year, going to my junior year, I wasn't very good at ABCD. I was okay. And then my, going to my senior year, I, was, I blew up at ABCD. I played really well. And so yeah. Hobbs calls me. He says, look, we want to offer your scholarship. I'm going to put you on with Coach Calhoun. Now, look, I'm from Southern California, and everyone seems – and I always feel like California people don't have an accent. And I had never really heard a Boston accent before. And so he comes on, and he starts talking. And, and not only does he have, a, as you know, a Boston accent, but Coach Calhoun speaks really, really fast. Like he talks <laughs> – and all those words, they come together, and he starts talking about it. You come out, you be pointing out, you might come and go take a visit. I'm like, okay, Coach, cool. Yes, okay, Coach. And then he puts back on Coach Haas back on, and I was like, Coach, I actually don't know what he said. He's like, Well, he just offered you a scholarship. If you want to come out and take a visit, so I didn't even I didn't even visit. Um, but I always I've told I've told him that to this day that that I I didn't actually understand him on the phone call, but I was I did set up a visit, and then Ricky committed I think earlier than I than I ever ever visited. But I here's what I loved about him. He was a lot like Eddie Sutton in that. Um, he kind of manipulate. I felt like he manipulate the media, where he'd tell the media, "You go and see one of the UConn practice," and he go like, "Ah, we're shitty. We're not any good. These fucking guys suck." And and then so people in the local media would start to write negative things about him, like about the. And then he would tell the players, like, "See, the media doesn't believe in you. I believe in you. What's the matter with these media guys, right?" And then <laughs> and then he would he would always he would sub a dude out before the first TV timeout. Somebody make a mistake, like Edmund Saunders, who I got to get your best Edmund Saunders story at some point in time. Edmund Saunders would he'd make a mistake, and he'd we would when I was covering him at ESPN, somebody would make a mistake, and we'd have bets on Media Row who he was going to take out first, and he would come almost out to midcourt and hook that motherfucker out for making a mistake. Like he was, <laughs> but his he he. Like guys accepted it, right? Like you go sit for a second, then he puts you back in, and everybody else got the message, and you played hard. What was it like to actually play for him? It, it was it was great. Um, you know, coming up and and, and being a point guard, um, I just had the relationship with every head coach. You know, I, I wanted to have a great relationship because I felt you know the point guard is the extension of the coach on the court. So uh, I was always in this offense, picking his brain. Um, you know, and there's a story going around how, you know, most of the players were intimidated a little bit of Coach Calhoun because of his presence, because of the way he, he his speak is, the way his character is. And, you know, for me, I, I didn't even see that. I just saw that he was the head coach, and I knew I had to have a great relationship. I had to know what he's thinking, and he has to trust me. So I was always in his office picking his brain, and, you know, we were able to, to – you know, have a great relationship, a great rapport, and he trusted me on the court. At least I think he did. He trusted me most times. And so, um, you know, having the opportunity to play for him and, and just knew his history, you know, because I'm a student of the game. I went, you know, I studied him from Northeastern, and, 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 and then he came to Connecticut and how he turned it around. So I was a big fan of his already. And so, uh, you know, having the opportunity um, – to run his one of his clubs and, and, and wanting to win and wanting to do the best, we just were a great match together, and he really brought out the best of me on the court and off the court. Uh, all right, let's get to the tournament run. So you guys are uh, one of the top two or three teams in the country, and I, I know it goes down as an upset, and you're running around. We'll get to the game itself in a second, but you guys were legit. You did get shipped out west, but you're the number one seed. Mm-hmm. And you played. Do you remember the Texas San Antonio game at all? Yes. Tell me about it. It was it, it, it was a uh, you know one of the the, the better first round games um, you know for us being that uh, the year before uh, we had played Fairleigh Dickerson and they gave us a run for our money. They they scared us. You know they played us down damn near to the wire. Elijah Allen went off of 41 points. So we knew that first game we couldn't play around. So uh, we all got out there and felt the atmosphere early. Everybody got out there, got their shots up. We wanted to be prepared and wanted to go into this game and, and, and wanted to set it, set, set, you know, really set the tone for the tournament. And, 
Um, we, we did just that. I mean, we had a great practice prior uh, the day before, and we were ready to go. You know, Coach came in, gave his his pregame talk. You know, about this is our time, and you know, guys really responded to that, and, and that game really set the tone for the rest of the tournament. Here, we're playing our A basketball. Let's go ahead and show the country who we really are, and let's make that next step from the Elite Eight to the Final Four. All right. If you remember the second round, who'd you play? New Mexico. Um, they had uh, Kenny. Oh, uh, he was a pro. Too. Oh, Kenny, um, uh, should he be tough now? Because he'd be like a small ball five now. Um, yeah. Shoot, 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 shoot. I'll, I'll think. Of, I'll think of it in a second. Yeah, um, but he was a, he was a great. He was a big time player. Um, um, you know, for them, and uh, they had a couple other guys who could play. And so uh, you know, that night the scouting report was. You know, we got to get out and really jump on these guys and set the tone on these guys, you know. So um, I can just remember um, coming into that game, we were all Kenny Thomas. So hyped and so ready to play. Kenny yes, Thomas. Kenny Thomas, yes. Kenny Thomas. And I was I, I just can't remember um, coming, and we went on a 17-0 to zero run to start the game. And so I don't think if we're up 17, no team is going to come back if we're up 17 on them. So, um, you know, like I said, it was just an extension of that first game of us playing at our A level and continuing that. And, man, it was just a great performance, and we were on a high after that. Then you played, what, Iowa? Uh, I believe so. The Sweet 16, yes, we played Iowa. Did you go home? Did you you guys go home in between? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't even remember that. I can't tell you the truth. Um, I I would say no. But I don't remember. <laughs> Doug, it was it was twenty years ago or a little bit more, so I can't really remember. But um, I, okay, I, so I, I, here, I guess my question is this: Like, look, Calhoun had done so many things, but he hadn't gotten to a Final Four, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so, was what did you guys did you guys feel any of that? Was there any talk? I mean, obviously the media would ask, but how how was he during as you're playing in tournament games? Was he the same? Was he tight? What was he like? He was always the same to me personally. That's the genius about him. Like, you never really saw him nervous, or if he was, he never showed it. He prepared the same way. He made sure that we were prepared. But his demeanor, the way that he talked, was it never changed. It never faltered. And, and, and that instilled so much confidence in me as the point guard of the team to – for him to see him have so much confidence and, you know, whatever he said, I, I took it and ran with it. I thought it was the truth for me. So I just, I just felt him, you know, and, and I can always remember when he would come into the room or, or the gym for practice or we have a meeting, whatever, you know, so I could tell what type of mood that he was in from the first 10 seconds when he walked in the room. If he was all business, Doug, I was all business. You know, if he had a little couple of jokes, then I knew that the, the mood was a little bit lighter, and I can relax, and I can you know be myself at times. But he was always on point, and you know he he really instilled the the confidence uh, that I carry to this day. That hey, be sure of yourself. You've been working. You you are prepared for this situation. Now go make the most of it, and and that's what uh, I love about him so much. Uh, what what was Rip like? Like Rip became this unbelievable shooter. I mean, basically, a lot of it just off floppy, right? Just reading screens, you know, coming off of down screens and, you know, all the different, just moving without the basketball. What, Man, what, he, was, he was incredible, Doug. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, it's okay. Just, just go. Incredible. And, and like you said, coming off those screens, he's, he's the one who taught me um, how to play off the screen. He taught me how important that was to play off the ball and to get easy buckets. And I think I instilled some of that into my game. Um, after playing with him for three seasons, uh, you know, it is important, you know, when you're off the ball to make great cuts, to keep moving, and, and to use those screens because that's what they get there for. He had this move, Doug, where he would use the screen. He would come off a down screen. The big guy would come set him a screen, and he would come off of it. And he knew how to, as he's coming off the screen, and he and he's going to curl the screen, right? And his defender is right on back of him. You know, they're playing the correct way. They're going to trail the screen, okay, and follow him. But as he would brush off of his the, our big man, Fosco, he would actually grab the big man and kind of I don't wanna I don't wanna say torpedo him 
around him. And while he does that, he is swinging. He is pushing the big man into the defender. So it's just like he's making sure that Jake is screening his man. And he will come off every down screen, every curl screen so wide open that he had to keep the ball because, you know, the guy said such great screens for him and he used it so well that, you know, I put that in, in, into my game and it was just such a, a lethal move. And he was open every time he, he came off a screen. Yeah, he was, he was pretty special. Um, no, he was special. He was special. He, I, I, I seen it in ABCD uh, my junior year. We were on the same team, actually. And I didn't, you know, tell you about that. I didn't have a chance. But Rich, Rip Hamilton and Kevin Freeman, we all were on the same ABCD team. <laughs> but Kevin ended up getting hurt um, during during the camp. But we were on the same team, and we went undefeated. And uh, I think he was rated maybe the fourth or sixth best player, and that was maybe the ninth or tenth. So it, it definitely was a successful camp for us. But that was our first meeting with each other. And, um, you know, I, I'm so happy I had the opportunity to play with him because he's, he's special. Okay, so you guys, you get past the Sweet 16, and now you're playing um, – you're playing Gonzaga to go to the Final Four. And this was a Gonzaga team. And Santangelo was nice. But, like, I, I can't imagine you guys from UConn playing the Big East. You guys won the Big East tournament, right? You smashed – I think you smashed St. John's in the championship, right? But you yep. – you, you, like, your close game was Seton Hall. not, And then you smashed Syracuse. You smashed St. John's. You get all the way. You're in the Elite Eight. This, you're Elite Eight. What do you remember about the Gonzaga game? I mean that was the over to, that was the over the hump game, you know. A few, I don't know, it was two or three teams have Coach Calhoun teams have priorly gotten to that point, uh, but they didn't, you know, get past that point. And we were there the year before, so this is the this is the game where we had to show ourselves. And you know, um, unfortunately for me, I didn't have a great game, but as a team, uh, we played like a team. You know, we, we had our ups and downs. During the game, uh, Gonzaga was a tough-minded team. They had tough players, tough defenders, and they were a team. So um, we had to play our best team game for us to win. And, and down the stretch, guys made plays here and there, made free throws, and we were able to sneak out of there. But it was a total team effort. And uh, if we hadn't gone to Europe that summer, we might not have won. It was such a team. We were so together that that was what ultimately gave us the upper hand against Gonzaga. Yeah, what's interesting is, you know, Calhoun's teams always played so fast. And yet that game especially, you had to play, you know, Gonzaga slowed you down. Ohio State really kind of slowed you down. Right? So to win a national championship, you had to win two games in the 60s, which is not his style. He liked to get up and down and press and really run. And they kind of took you out of it, and you still found a way to win. Okay, so you go. And, go ahead. No, I'm just saying that's just one of his greatness. We could play multiple ways. We just, yes, we would love to play get up and down and make it a fast-paced game, but we could play the slow-down half-court game because we had such high IQs, you know, and that went from having two point guards on the court and and having a great shooter and having role guys who didn't care if they didn't score. They wanted to get the other guys open, and when you have selfless guys like that, your team is going to be successful. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You go to the Final Four, it's in St. Pete, and you take on Ohio State. They got Scooney Penn and Michael Red. They got a good little squad there. Kane Johnson, the big center. Uh, oh, you, yeah. Uh, other than playing in front of 50,000 people, what do you remember about that one? <laughs> I do remember that. Just the atmosphere of the Final Four. Finally being, you know, being the first Connecticut team to make it there. But that wasn't... We weren't satisfied with that. We wanted to win. You know, we got in there. We were, you know, we, we kind of got the monkey off the off our back, so to speak. But we wanted to show the country we were there to win. And and playing against Ohio State, they were just another team that that was in our way. And we knew they had great players, like you said, as you mentioned. But we thought that we were a better team, and, and we kind of hung our hats on that the whole season. We were, we are the better team. They have good players, but we are a better team. So we um. Uh, I think that game, I think we slowed ourselves down. You know, the first half we played great. We played great team ball. In the second half, we kind of got a little bit individual and, and tried to make plays too much individually, and that's the reason why they were able to hang close with us. But when it came down to stretch, you know, we always came back true to who we were, and we were able to pull that out. All right, so you get ready for the National Championship game. And again, on paper, in our, in our era, the the next year's team for Duke had – an unbelievable roster, right? But in terms of like highly touted recruits, Battier brand, and even Chris Burgess, like number one big guy in the country, Trajan Langdon, Corey McGetty, Chris Carwell, Nate James, Taman Domzowski's from New Mexico. He was McDonald's all American. William Avery, like damn dude. They, they had just dudes. Um, so you're, you're sitting in your hotel room in Tampa. What was the prep like for, for the, the national championship game? You know, that um, that film session or that scouting report before the Duke game, you know, Coach Calhoun told us, you know, before the game, he said, and he's never said this to us before, of course, he said, um, you know, you're going to be you're playing the team tomorrow that's better than you. And he's never said that to us before. And so, of course, that got our attention right away. And so we just had such laser focus uh, coming into that game. And I can remember us, you know, we had planned to double Elton every time he got the ball on the block. And we did it. It's like we practiced that type of defense every day. <laughs> and we hardly ever doubled on the block. So we were all locked in, laser focused. And uh, we were able to make the plays to beat a better team that game. And like you said, they had players. They should have beat us by, on paper, they should have beat us by 20 points. But. You know, when the team is locked in and the team wants to compete and show who they are, anything can happen. And that's why basketball is such a great sport, as you know. He he used to tell people that he thought the Duke guys were a little soft. He thought, like, look, we got city kids. We got we got kids. We got fighters. He And his, his Calhoun would always say, like, hey, in his, I can't do his accent. But he would say, like, you know, if you go anywhere in the country, no one in, the, no one in a city will ever wear a Duke shirt. Right now, you go to the suburbs; they wear Duke stuff. You go to the city; they don't wear Duke stuff. And he's like, "And that's why we 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 beat them. It's because we got city kids. We got just dudes that are tougher." 
Um, do you think that was some of it that the, you guys were just a little tougher, a little nastier yeah. than they were? I, I, I don't, I, I don't believe that because you still have to play the game, and those guys could play. So I just thought that, like I said before, we were just the better team, you know, from one through twelve or one through ten, however many players played that game. We had, we were the more deep team, yeah, and we were just a better team that night. And um, you know, uh, we just thought coming into the game that gave us a little bit more motivation. They said that we were going to lose by ten points. We're the ten point underdog, and Come on, we felt that that was ridiculous. So we had a, you know, we played with a little bit of a chip on our shoulder. So that really helped us out too. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, listen, they they went sixteen and zero in ACC play, then they won the ACC tournament. They only lost. I remember the I remember the game they lost. We were watching it. Uh, they were playing the Great Alaska Cincinnati. Shootout, right? With Cincinnati, with Melvin Levitt made a dunk at the buzzer. Oh man, that was that was kind of like a. <laughs> That was a, you know, that was like unbelievable, you know, that they they actually lost. But you know, I think that gave some of the teams in the country, you know, the the confidence to say, oh, okay, they are human. And um, we ran up when we ran into them, we felt like they were human. So we wanted to go out and prove everybody that hey, we belong here and we can win. When when the buzzer sounds, you're famous for yelling, running around. We was it? We shocked the world, right? That we said we shocked the world. Yeah. I kind of said that. I said that in the pregame, and I Doug, I, I honestly can tell you, I don't know where that came from because uh, we're, me and Coach Calhoun were being interviewed, and they said something to me, and uh, I answered the question. But I said at the end, you know, we plan to shock the world tonight, and I, to this day, I don't know where that came from. And then, like you said, when the buzzer sounded, and we had one, and I went over to the desk and said it, like <laughs> it was just so much uh, adrenaline and, 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 and you know joy coming out and like i said i it was just uh it was just it or anything it just came out and um it, it was the slogan you know it's been the slogan ever since 1999 and uh you know i'm just happy that we had the opportunity uh to get it done and to win for the university of connecticut and coach calhoun why why didn't you go pro after that game you know personally I just felt like I wasn't ready. Um, you know, my game, I felt like I, I, I needed to polish it up a little bit. You know, I, I felt like, uh, you know, another year of school would have done me great. Um, and, you know, just looking at the, you know, the draft board, you know, I, I wasn't expected to go very high. So, you know, I, I kind of just, okay, took that in stride and said, I'm going to get better next year and, um, you know, I'll see what happens next year. And so that's the route that I took. Maybe it wasn't the right move in, in, in some people's book, but for me, I was comfortable with it. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering because Miles Simon's one of my closest friends and he came back after winning the MOP and, you know, he went in the second round um, and he probably would have, might've gone the first round. He doesn't necessarily, I don't, I don't know if he has many regrets. I mean, should be pointed out like that year was a nasty year in the draft. Like, right. Like what, yeah. what would have been your sophomore year? Elton Brand went one, Stevie franchise went two, Baron Davis went three, right? Lamar Oda went four, Wally Zerbiak Come went on. five, Rip seven, <laughs> uh, Sean Murray went nine, Jason, the jet, Jason Terry went 10. Like that was Come on, right. Manu Ginobili, yeah. I think, was the last, but one of the last players of the draft. Um, yeah. Andre Miller went eighth. Like that, that was Rashard a. Lewis. I think Rashard Lewis was the last pick of that draft. Okay, so uh, William Aver. No, he wasn't the last pick. He, but he, he was the last one in the green room. That's what happened with Rashard okay. Lewis. Okay, but okay. dude, William Avery went fourteen. How did that happen? Oh yeah, and, and, and some you know I've heard a lot of you know. People tell me that that's where I would have gone. To the Minnesota Timberwolves. Khalid, he went to the Timberwolves. Yes, yes. And so, you know, I'm happy for him that he got the opportunity um, uh, to live his dream out. And, um, you know, for me, I made the decision, so I had to live with it. Like I said, I'm comfortable with it, and it is what it was. What's it like to try and to go back? Like, is there – do you guys think you weren't – I mean, there's a bunch of things. You lost Rip. You lost great players. There's some other stuff going on, but was the letdown the next year because it's just hard to relive it to, to live up to to the expectations? Is it was it because you you you're, you weren't fully back in school emotionally? Why, why did you guys have a disappointing uh, next season? 
Well, I, I think, you know, we didn't have the type of season, the great season that we were all um, hoping for or that we all were used to. You know, coming off of a, you know, a 34-2 and two season, wow, come on now, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, you know, and so, and, 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 you know, we didn't have those same type of players. Uh, losing Richard Hamilton uh, was a big blow uh, to our team. Losing Rochamel Jones, the leader of our team, you know, losing Ricky Moore and all these guys, you know. Uh, yeah, so those are big shoes to fill, Doug. And, you know, um, and we, we filled them with guys that, that's just doing it for the first time. And, and not to mention when we got to the tournament, you know, I got hurt on some freaky spin move that I've done a million times that I don't, still don't know to this day how I got hurt, how I sprang my ankle doing a spin move. And so, you know, it just all those things accumulated, and, and we were, you know, we were put out by Tennessee and, and the, I don't know, round of 32 or whatever it was. So, you know, all those things multi- multiplied was the reason that we didn't have a successful tournament run. Um, but it was still a successful season my junior year, and, uh, you know, I learned a lot from it, and the guys did too. So you walk into Calhoun's office afterwards. Is that how you, how did you decide to leave to go pro? Well, um, I was kind of nervous to go into his office. And because uh, I knew, you know, uh, there was a lot of talk going on, and um, he would have wanted me to stay. And if, if he would have told me to stay, I would have. But I was ready. I think I was ready to go. Um, you know, it was just time for me to for a new challenge. And so, uh, you know, I had my parents <laughs> make the phone call to him. Or actually, I think my parents came out and, and talked to him and told him. And uh, and then I had to meet him with him. I had to soften him up first, and then I had to meet him, meeting with him. And uh, you know, that's how we decided that you know it was time for me to move on. And and we did. You know, I, I had a good uh, camp in Chicago. Um, you know, I went thirty-four. I would like to have gone first round, but you know, I had the opportunity to play. And a lot of first-round players, lottery players, they don't get an opportunity to play right away. You know, it depends on the team where they go. And I had an opportunity. I started 14 games. I made the rookie All-Star game. So I did a Wait, you're, 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 going, you're going too fast there, Khalid. Okay, I'm sorry, so I'm sorry, I'm hold, sorry, hold up, sorry, dude. Wait, wait, wait. So you, <laughs> your family, hold on, your family moved from Chicago to Minneapolis. You're, we're roughly the same age, right? Like I finished in 2000. You're a little bit younger than me. Like, yeah. and I know Mike was gone and the Bulls weren't very good, but what's right. it like, what's it like to walk into that locker room and you see Bulls in the front and El Amin on the back? Oh man, it's a dream come true. And, uh, it, it, it's unbelievable actually. And to see the facility, to see the Birdo Center where MJ laced them up and went to practice every day and, you know, and to see the pros that were still there. When I was coming up, I saw Tony Kukoc was working out. Will Purdue was there, you know, and, and the the legendary, uh, you know, strength and conditioning coaches that they had, and it was just a, a dream come true. And I wanted that, uh, uh, you know, to be forever, you know. But unfortunately, you know, it is a business, and um, you know, I, I'm just happy I had the opportunity. Uh, to reach my goal and, and to play as many games as I did. You know, I learned a lot about being a professional from being in the NBA, and it helped me uh, my career uh, after Chicago. Now, did they, did they like, officially, did they cut you? Like, how did it, how did it end? Yeah, well, it was, um, you know, um, I think it was 51 games maybe into the season. And, uh, you know, before the, before the morning of shoot around, I don't know who we were playing, uh, yeah, Jerry Cross called me in and had a long talk, and you know he told me that you know they were going to waive me, they were going to let me go, um, but he told me you no, know, gave me some expiring words for motivation for me to use, and um, you know, and we we, we parted ways, and, and that's the business, you know. It's a uh, it, one day you're there, and you know one day you might not be there, and so you know this game that we chose is not always fair. But, you know, you have to be strong and you have to be willing to, to go through those type of uh, downs in order for you to you have them. And that was definitely a big-time downer, Doug. It was my, uh, my dream. I was playing in Chicago. I had so much family there uh, who had the opportunity to see me play. Um, 
uh, like I said, I loved every minute of it, but I understood it was a business, and it was just time for me to move on. What was, I mean, like, look, dude, you did the whole thing. You did the CBA thing. You played in yeah. Germany. You played in Israel. You played in Turkey. You played a bunch in Turkey. You played in Lithuania. Uh, you know, you played everywhere. Ukraine. Ukraine. Craziest experience, craziest story you could tell somebody. Oh, wow. The craziest story is where we were in Israel, we were in Turkey, and, um, you know, it unfortunately, you know, a suicide bomber had uh, decided it, he wanted, they wanted to strike, um, not so far away from where we were, uh, you know, a few kilometers, a few miles away. And, um, you know, both times we actually, we heard the explosion. It was so loud, it was like an earthquake almost. And so uh, that was the craziest, most serious part about being injured or, or, or being overseas was our experience with that. And, um, you know, it, it was something that we lived with as a family. You know, we were scared for a while, but, you know, we kind of got over it after a while, and uh, we had to move on because, you know, in this day and age, that's life. And so uh, we were able to do that. We were able to regroup. And, uh, you know, we went on and have a, had a terrific season in those those years. Um, if, if you could give the younger you some advice, like, Hey, Khalid, you're 16, you're North high school. If you, here's some advice that, that you could use now that you're, you know, you're 40 and you played 17 years professional basketball, what would it be? I'll say, you know, I, I would be more, um, I, I would take the, you know, my eating habits more serious. You know, I, I was a, I was a young kid who thought he could eat anything because I was in the gym every day. And we all know it doesn't matter how many, you know, how much time we spend in the gym. If your eating habits are not good, you know, you're still going to look the same and you're still going to be the same. So I would take my eating habits a little bit more serious than I did. And, um, you know, because later in my career I was able, uh, you know, to understand the things that I, that I needed to eat and, you know, and I was able to play you know, over 16 years professionally. So um, I would that's what I would tell the younger uh, Elamine. And, and, and also, you know, um, you know, being in the NBA, you have to respect that. And, you know, there's the best players in the world, so you have to respect that. And so spending as much time in the gym, that has to be the number one thing. And so any young player coming up, that's what they should be concentrating on. And, um that's what I would tell the younger element to eat right and to put as much time uh, into the gym that needs to be. Um, are you at peace? You at peace with your career? Oh, I'm definitely am. Uh, I definitely am. I would have liked to stay in the NBA longer, of course. Um, you know, that's a no brainer, but I had the opportunity to travel the world, Doug, <laughs> by playing basketball. I know. It's pretty, I lived pretty cool. The best Coolest, coolest place, cool, coolest place that, that you live. Like, there's one place. Just living, coolest place. Wow, it's been so many. You know, I love Istanbul. I I love Tel Aviv. You know, I love Croatia. Every place that I have been, though, every place that I've been has been great. And they're, they're, they're beautiful cities. You know, beautiful people. Um, you know, so I, I I would say Turkey, everywhere that I have been has just been unbelievable. All right, last thing. You mentioned how you'd change your diet, but you do love yeah. food. Favorite thing you ate overseas that you're like, man, this is my, my favorite thing. <laughs> the, see, the, the, the food in Turkey is unbelievable, man. The, with the seasoning, uh, no, they love the barbecue. Um, it, it, the Turkish food is unbelievable. I, I love it. Um, you know, any, any one dish? Any one dish? Well, I like the Adana kebab. You know, it, it's a... Uh, it's a little bit of a spicy um, uh, meat, red meat, beef, of course, and they grill it. But it just the, just the flavor that it has, and, and it's just unbelievable. I mean, you have to try it. I can't explain it. My explanation wouldn't give it justice. You just have to try the Adana kebab. All right. When you when you go into gyms now, now you you have your own camp. You're doing broadcasting. Um, yeah. When 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 you walk in, like I had. A buddy of mine is a producer. He's only 28. I was like, man, I'm having Cleed Elmine on. I'm so excited. And he's like, I've heard that name wherever I heard it. How, how do you feel when, when you walk into a gym, especially now like an AAU gym, 
what what's it feel like for people to know who you are and all you've done? Oh man, it, it's fantastic! Every time I walk into a gym, you up team people come to me, tell me they to watch me, they respect me as a player. They, you know, can I talk to their son? Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people understand that I'm training now, and they get my number. They want me to get in the gym with their with their son or, or their you know whatever. So it's always been love, though. It's always been like that. I, I guess I've I've been a player of the people, so to speak, Doug. You know, I, I'm only five nine and three quarters. You know, most of my career I used to be on the chubbier side. You know, so I'm like the average Joe <laughs> of professional basketball or college basketball. So I think the average person really, um, you know, they they have this bond with me. You know. And so I think that's why I have the reception that I have every time I step into a gym that everybody, you know, they give me respect, they give me love, they show me love, and, uh, you know, they want to know what I'm doing now. So, you know, I'm very thankful for that, you know, being able to be recognized um, for the, you know, the, the hard work that I put into the game. And it's just fantastic to be remembered for your hard work because that's all we want to do. We want to live, leave a legacy for ourselves and for someone to recognize you as a great player or a type of player that they looked up to. Uh, it means the world, and uh, I'm thankful for it. Yeah, and you're a winner, right? And that's that's the big thing is you, you're, you're a winner. Oh, yeah. Hey, Khalid, man, I, I love catching up with you. This, this is so great. Uh, we'll catch up some here offline and talking about other stuff. But thanks so much for spending time with us on the All Ball Podcast. Oh, yeah, Doug, I'm tuning in to you, man. I appreciate it, and I I can't wait to hear your next big thing. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. All right, my thanks to Khalid El-Amin. Thank you for downloading the All Ball Podcast. Don't be afraid to retweet it, send it to a friend. Download, subscribe, and rate it. Make sure you tune into the Doug Gottlieb Show, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific. Every day, Fox Sports Radio, iHeartRadio. You can download uh, every show as well. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.